Hey everybody, you're listening to the High Sessions Hawaii podcast where we talk about everything local and beyond. I'm John Yamasato, your host, and joining me today is Mr. Kyle Shimabukuro. How's it? And Devin Nikoba. How date? All right, if you'd like to stay in touch with this show, you can find us on YouTube. Are you going without no ringing it today? Holy crap! Damn. YouTube, Apple Podcasts, <laughs> uh, that's where you can find us. Should we ask and Moses? They probably know and better Patreon. than we do. Go to Patreon, be a supporter. Uh-huh. Thank you to our patrons. Uh-huh. We, we, I'm like 80% through the shirts. So if you don't have wow. a shirt yet, you should be getting your shirt soon for the 2023 no shirts. This week? Uh, no new patrons oh. this week. I would think with, you know, pure heart being on, yeah. all these people <laughs> would join. No. No? No, you know, I mean, it was a fun podcast, but yeah, I got, yeah, got about for got that. same I views as everybody right else. So it's, you, you missed know. out, man. It was thanks. so much fun. Thanks. Can you give me a paper cut and pour some lemon juice on it? Uh, let's see. You can find Devin on Kumu ninety four. Oh, thank our sponsors: Kupu yes. Kupu Landscaping, mm-hmm. Kevin Yokomura, and then you can go to Ruger Market to eat food. <laughs> go to Ruger Market and eat that'll, food. That'll okay. cover that thing. You okay. can find Devin ninety four point seven <laughs> Kumu in the mornings. You can find Kyle. Oh, and by the way, Ruger Market is closed on Tuesdays now. Yes, we should let everybody Very know that Ruger Market that. is closed on Tuesdays. Yes. So don't go there if it's a Tuesday. They're closed on that day. Yeah. Well, only to the end of the month, then we'll, they'll figure something out, I think. And they're going to send out more information as Why it comes. Why do you want to say that just to make people more confused? No. no. So, I mean, it's closed until the end of the month on Tuesdays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. When you hear this, uh, I should self-promote myself a little bit. Uh, if you're on the island of Kauai or Maui, uh, Pure Heart will be performing oh, at, right. uh, on Kauai on, um, what's that day? Friday? And then Saturday will be on Maui at the Wait, Mac. What what day? I, Friday, like Friday is the twentieth. Okay. And that's there my birthday, go. so we'll be we'll oh, be on. Right. We'll have a big birthday celebration on Kauai. Happy uh, birthday! Thank you. Is it just Pure Heart, or is it other bands, or? Uh, it's the it's the Jake and Friends show, so it's just Jake Jake oh. and us friends. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And you guys are, is this gonna be? Out by the time yeah, the it, show it, it'll it'll be out by then. I'll probably get out either tonight. This out tonight or tomorrow. So no, no, no. I mean the one at Blue. Note. Oh, Blue Note. Yeah, by then it'll be too late for Blue Note. That oh. was a great show at the Blue Note, John. You guys did a great Thank job. You. <laughs> yes. Great. <laughs> 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 really enjoy the show. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Okay, so uh, let me introduce our special guest today. Woo-hoo! I was gonna write a bio, but he. Mm. Is, I was thinking, possibly, but it's not possibly. He is the most decorated sound engineer in all of the history of Hawaii. Yeah. Mr. Dave Tusserong. <laughs> Dave, thank you for being here. Uh, we thank appreciate you. For you. Me. Yeah. No, I, I've always been a fan of yours ever since uh, I was introduced to you by Steve Kramer. Yes. Back in the 90s, who was our engineer on the first Pure Heart. He's like, you got to meet Dave Tusserong. He's, he's the man. And the man you, ha- you are and have been for many, many years. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I've been doing this for a while now in Hawaii. Yeah. I mean, if you think of any local artist... I have a list. You probably worked with you them. Have a list, really? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> and and I, I thought about it because I was like, I've never... But we, we've recorded stuff. It's just it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a John Yamasato project, but I've been in there. Justin uh, Young, Typical Hawaiian, Street Plus, Nightwing, Tropical Nights. The list goes on and on, man. Kaylee Reichel, Reichel, John Cruz, Ernie Palani Cruz. Vaughn. Yeah. Not Palani John Yamasato. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's John Fury. Some, sometimes you gotta step it down a little bit. Ten feet, a colo. I mean, it, Uncle Willie K, Ernie Cruz. The yeah. list goes on and on. Yeah. So, so what, what amazing? L- let's start with this. Uh, what got you into sound engineering in the first place? Because 
you started obviously before I did. So what what was the mm. impetus of uh, that's where I want to be? Because you're an actual a good musician too for the people that don't know. <laughs> oh well, well thanks. Well, music was first. You know, I yeah. I grew up thirty miles from New York City you know, on Long Island and started probably when I was fifteen or sixteen. And once I got the bug, it was it was all over. Yeah. And um, just you know started playing in bands and played in a, a bunch of bands and um, joined the choir in school and then oh, really? went, yeah wanted to sing and I don't even know why because it wasn't a cool thing to do. What kind of music though you're playing in your bands was it more rock and roll stuff or? It was more like Crosby, Stills and Nash uh-huh. and well no initially I, I no I have to stop there initially in ninth grade it was. Uh, Black Sabbath and all right. oh, you're a metalhead back and, uh, then. Uh, Joe Walsh and well, yeah, I mean that was the beginning of metal. Yeah, we didn't even know what metal was, yeah. but but my my poor my friend, we used to practice in his basement, and his parents were upstairs. It wasn't even there wasn't even a door on the basement, oh, no. and his parents were upstairs. God bless him, okay, because we shook the walls, and, and they, I'm sure they had the TV on. They couldn't hear the TV. <laughs> But they let us practice there, and uh, I just, yeah, I was 16, and I was already out playing in bars, you know, and um, just started really young, and I got interested in the recording side. Some technology came about, it was called Sound on Sound. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know. You can't, you can't see me. I'm, I'm hiding. Here. <laughs> yeah, we got a plane flying by. This always happens when we record here. Yeah, yeah. something's gonna fly Very by. Something's gonna start hammering. And it takes as long as humanly possible for yeah. it to pass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's flying in a circle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, helicopter. You go as slow as humanly okay. possible past us. So, yeah. when did you? decide to move out to Hawaii and what was what was what made you come wait, 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 yeah, well, I'll, I'll finish that uh, about the recording thing they, they came out with a technology called sound on uh-huh. sound and anybody could buy a reel-to-reel recorder oh, right that's, okay but this allowed you to listen to the playback of, of one channel and then synchronize the other one while you were listening back and you could play to that so you can have two channels of recording wow. so um, I had two friends. One of them was Steve Kramer that uh, I've known since junior high, and another friend. And the three of us played guitars and sang on one channel. And then I would listen back to that. I'd have the headphones on, then I'd play and lead them. And then they'd play exactly the same thing on the second track, and we'd sing exactly the same thing. And then we'd play it back. It was like, oh, wow, that yeah, is huh? serious. You know, so I loved that uh, right away. So, to your question, uh, Steve was my best friend in high school, and we, we did many musical projects. When I finally evolved out of Black Sabbath, we were doing mo- much more acoustic stuff, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and James Taylor. And, and, uh, I was telling Kyle, last night, I have a James, Best of James Taylor CD in my car, yeah. and I was driving my daughter home. I'm like, do you know who James Taylor is? She's 14. No. Yeah, no. And yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm ch- going to try to explain to you how big this guy was, you know? And I'm like, who's who's popular now? Like, you t- John Mayer? Is John Mayer still popular? She's like, yeah, I know who John Mayer is. I'm like, oh, okay. okay. Think of John Mayer, but like way bigger than John Mayer. Like this guy yeah. was like, you know, he started his own genre. She doesn't care. Yeah. No. But uh, <laughs> didn't know. Hard to explain how big a deal James Taylor was. Well, he is yeah. still, actually. I mean, he's... Yeah. Mm. That's true. You know I mean, I mean, John. Everyone knows John Mayer now for his guitar playing more so than his songwriting. Yeah, and yeah. he he exploded for a little bit, and then 
everybody started hating on him <laughs> and then he went back to yeah, he went back to playing guitar his and his blues guitar relationships is yeah, yeah. I mean all that all that stuff started to yeah. overtake his his musical uh, prowess and yeah. so it's nice to see that he's getting back to that yeah he yeah. is certainly a hell of a guitar player yeah, yeah. amazing yeah. man so what happened was this in high school um, Steve Kramer wanted to get as far away from his father as possible to go to school and still remain in the United States. So he applied to UH Manoa. (laughs) And I uh, stayed in New York, and I went to a state university of New York. It's a a system. And I went to the farthest northern state university in a small college town called Potsdam. This was 20 miles from Canada. Oh, wow. It was Arctic. It was Arctic cold. Seriously, Arctic. Now, I was playing in bands up there, too, you know, just still going with music. I was going to music school and learning more about music. But I see Steve in the summer, and he'd, he'd come home and tell me about Hawaii. By the way, he'd... reminder table. Oh, yeah. <laughs> see, see everybody, that? Everybody does it. Everybody does it. <laughs> Can't help it. Can't help it. It's Last okay. week, it was Jake and Lopaka. Okay. So don't worry about it. Um, so he'd tell me about Hawaii and he'd show me pictures and it you oh, know, that's cruel, it just looked freezing your ass over New York he's like hey check and it out after two years it's like okay I'm going I, and <laughs> by this time after his first year he had moved to the big island and so I applied to UH Hilo Oh, and I, that was the first place I lived when I came to oh, Hawaii oh my god it was not in Hilo it was in Pahoa Oh man! No, no, no! Because okay. the Potsdam was four thousand people. It's a small college town, you know. Uh-huh. And mm. I, I'm not from New York City. You know, Long Island is like suburban, right? Yeah. So uh, I absolutely uh, <laughs> loved it, and that was my first introduction to Hawaii. And and I remember at the time hearing like the Beamer Brothers and Sunday Manoa, and hearing uh, and CNK, and getting a good taste of what you know what the music was in the islands and Olomana, and was uh-huh. like, wow. That's, that's really some got pretty a, good stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I came really right in that golden time, yeah, right. Right. Yeah. that renaissance, right? That was the best time. Yeah. And and back then, like, when you listen to CNK and stuff, you could hear Loggins and Messina and all these other bands within their, that sound, right? Exactly. So it wasn't foreign to you. No, yeah. not at all. Not at all. And that's the kind of stuff I was into, actually, was Loggins and Messina and Poco uh-huh. and and uh, Eagles. the Riders of the Purple Sage and Eagles and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was it was really cool. Um we tried to get work on the Big Island, and we we were there for a year, but there was there was no work. You know, there was yeah, no work yeah. in Hilo for our kind of music, and even in Kona, you know, which was a, a hall anyway, mm-hmm. and they didn't have Saddle Road then. And so yeah. after a year, we decided to come to Oahu, and somebody put us up in Olamana, you know, some house in Olamana, okay. which I didn't even know what Olamana was. And, and so we were talking to this guy, and we are like, um, hey, uh, you know any places that we could, you know, go and audition at? He goes, yeah, go to Pinky's Broiler. It's uh, it's over here in Aikahi. And we're like, okay, if we would have known any better, of course we would have never gone there because it was a marine bar. It was right up from the <laughs> yeah, base, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And there was fights there. I mean, it was a good restaurant, but it wasn't the kind of place where you would think, you know, young people would go. And now we were like 20, I guess at the time. We were 20 years old. So we did. We went and auditioned, and Pinky's this big guy, you know, 6'3", and he has cigars. And he goes to the waitress, what do you think? And they're, they're like, yeah, they're good. So he hired us. 
we were there was four of us there was uh myself and steve and a, a friend i met in college in potsdam who i asked to come over and a bass player we were up against this like lava rock wall there was one yellow spotlight like that and there was three microphones so we lifted up our guitars and and, and sang and played into the microphones and uh he, he hired us and, and that, was first that turned that turned into before long we were playing five nights a week and we did that for nine months uh-huh. so it's just the two of you no it was four, it was, uh, four, of, four of, you of us sorry now. right four okay. of us what was your band called cooper still cooper still and um <clears throat> he he eventually tore down walls and he built a whole new stage because he saw people were lining up to come in and he was That's making great. a lot of money so we did that for for nine months and then we told him one day pink we want to get paid. Uh, we want to play four nights and get paid the same thing. Oh, you guys are trying to rob me blind. What do you know? It's pink. We, we know that. We talk to the bartenders. We know that to take. We see the people lining up. It's like, we're like, come on. He's like, ah. So we did it four nights a week for another, I don't know, four or five months. And and that was our run. Uh, we, we decided to disband. And I went back to New York. And uh, I worked on on wall street for a while i was working for the bank of new york and computers and this and that still doing some music though i was still demoing stuff and so i came back here in 1984 and i had some demos that i played for some friends of mine and uh one of them was an investor and he said well how would you like to go to london to record an album so uh, i'm like okay because it was cheaper to go to london than it was to go to la and get musicians and with huh. even with airfare mm. and hotels and everything else because the dollar is really strong against the pound so i did i, uh, I went there and uh, it was a great experience except the guy ran out of money and i never finished my album oh. <laughs> but but i came back and uh about f- five months or so later um this is a whole nother story but i had i had met my biological father when i went back to new york after hawaii and uh, he was a great guy, and he called me up one day and said, what are you doing? I said, well, I just went to London, blah, 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 and I'm, I'm hoping to get to work with this tape machine that this church has. And he says, well, what could you do if you had that tape machine? And he loaned me enough money to open Fortunate Son Studio, wow. which wow. S-U-N, I called yeah. it, because by no means was I raised with a silver spoon. You know, I, sure. I came from the other side of the tracks and never really had a lot of money so that's how i was able to open open fortunate son in 1986 and i had that studio for eight years and that's where i i met everybody and that's one of my first groups was capenna nightwing oh, yeah. was one of mm-hmm. the very first um butch helemanu kahanu records awana salazar sam bernard and the Hoaikon, the Hoaikones, mm-hmm. they were called the Hoaikones. The Hoaikones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you worked on that first album. Yes. The one with like Seven Spanish Angels. Yeah. Oh. Seven Spanish Angels. Yeah, I mean the very first. That's before they were in Hawaiian. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were like a. Um, they were they like a Hawaiian band before they went to Hawaiian. They were. Yeah. Oh yeah, Hawaiian. And they, they, they pivoted and. Right. Yeah. Kahanu Kahanu Records. His whole idea was let's spend a thousand bucks on an album let's get enough albums to put on a display in holiday mart so when you walk in there's kahanu records and he gets ah. that that display so that's what he did they were cheap albums so they came over from the big island and sat in a semi-circle and it's like one two three go and recorded the album and i don't know it was, because it was, so it was wow. a, it, cause it was a four track you were dealing with at that point no i had 16 well six oh okay 16 yeah it was, oh, a, it was a 16 track task count 
you know, with uh, noise reduction. So, but from from there, then uh, I did uh, uh, Mana Company. Wow. Met yeah, those okay. guys. Wow. And Hawaiian Style Band. First thing we did with Hawaiian Style Band was uh, Hey Na Na, Local Motion. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, That's where and Kyle used to work. At <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, Rob Burns liked that so much. He said to them, look, can you come up with a song for Hawaiian Style, which which is his other company, mm-hmm. you know? And so they, they came to me with Live a Little, and then we worked that. And Live a Little was, was huge. huge yeah. you know, it, was, it was a really big song and a big single and, and great for his company. And then he said to them, well, how would you like to make an album? But he said in the same way where you have a bunch of different musicians and people yeah. involved. So he loaned them to m- the money to make Vanishing Treasures. And that's how that whole thing kind of got Such going. Such a great album. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rhythm of the, the Ocean. introduction of Fiji and... Rolls yeah, and Fiji. Yep. And, and Troy it had Fernandez. Troy. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Troy. And then uh, Brother Is and Dell. you yeah. know. They weren't even together in the same room. And because uh, I think... Brother Is did his thing, and then Dell came in and answered him later on another. It was another like kind day. of the beginning of an all-star band coming together and yeah. performing some some type of music, right? Like yeah, yeah, it was it was great. And then from that point on, then they started the doing their own projects like Rhythm of the Ocean. But so I I got to work with so many really good people and um got a great introduction into the biz. And I got to tell you, when I opened the studio. I had. You know, some recording experience at home, obviously. I had mm-hmm. made my own demos and I recorded some people. But when somebody's coming in and paying you, <laughs> that's an, an, an yeah. entirely different thing. So I learned a lot, you know, a lot of uh, on-the-job training. Now, when you did say. open your studio, Fortunate Son, and, and you know, you, was your roots firmly planted in Hawaii already? Or were you thinking of maybe going back to the mainland and oh, doing no. this? No, no, I wasn't going back. <laughs> I, did, I didn't even know that you came in. Atla- I didn't even know that... You were that close with Steve, mm-hmm. so so uh, just to give some background because people, yeah, people like Steve. No, yeah, Steve. <laughs> yeah, so Steve Kramer is, is a great engineer as well, and mm-hmm. a, apparently a friend of Dave's from kid time. But he recorded over at Small Kind Studios, which is located in Kailua. Greg Sardina is the owner, and they did a lot of albums there too. Wow, Kuuipo Kumukahi recorded right. there, and Pure Heart recorded. So he was our engineer when we did the Pure Heart albums. Um, Steve's great. Uh, he doesn't really do much engineering anymore because he has like 18 million pets. Right. That he just <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. He has pets? He, oh, like an animal sanctuary. He, yeah. He, oh, okay. He's like a yeah. real animal lover. Like oh, okay. really. So there, I remember a couple of times we found like an injured bird on the side of the road. My wife and I were like, what are we going to do? Let's take him to Steve's house. And of course, <laughs> took him to Steve's house and Steve like nursed this thing back to health. Oh, yeah. And yeah, 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 he's really into So he wakes up at like five in the morning and feeds the chickens and he has dogs and cats and all kinds of well, stuff. Well, okay, just yeah. to back up for a second. So for people that aren't familiar with the recording process, right, because everyone knows when you're, when you're looking at the back of an album, right, you look at the band and then you look at the producer, right? But the engineer has as much to do with the sound of the, of the record as anybody else. Let me explain. Yeah, so explain to people the what The difference that between a, an engineer and a producer. Yeah. An engineer is a technician. The engineer knows which mic to use where to put it, where to set it up, if, if it's more than one mic, how to mic a drum kit, how to mic a guitar amp, um, how to use the recording equipment, how to use the console, if there's a console, and what all these knobs and buttons do. The producer may know that too. Maybe the producer is a producer slash engineer, but the producer is mainly responsible for the creative aspect 
of the recording and working with the artist to get the best expression of their music, right? And the producer may know enough about the engineering side to suggest to the engineer, well, why don't you maybe put that mic over here because that, that's his own tech or her own technique, right? Uh, and what eventually evolved was the producer slash engineer, yeah. mm. where that, that's mainly what, what it's engineers are It's so hard to now. keep it separate, right? Yeah. Because artists con- consistently will go, what did you think, Dave? Did that sound okay? <laughs> yeah. And now you're produ- producing. Yeah, well, exactly right. So the producer is the one who goes, that take wasn't good. Do it again. Yeah, yeah. That's a producer's job. Well, you mm-hmm. see, that's a big problem with a lot of people who go who have gone into recording studios, maybe even really nice recording studios, is that they don't realize they're, they're getting the equipment and an engineer. They're not getting a producer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get... The feedback. Yeah, the feedback that, that you want to get. And an engineer is not even really required to do that, nor even should they, if mm-hmm. they're not you know, in, into production and making good production right. decisions because they can reach their hand into your pocket and spend an awful lot of time trying hundred different ideas, you know, that don't work. So, But I think that's why, you know, as, as time has gone on and, you know, your, your name has gotten bigger and bigger I- in the business, um, you know, you, you're known for recording with so many different people. And the sonically, what you create when you record people, like they know what they're going to get. Right? People call you up specifically because they go, okay, I need Dave to record me because if he doesn't record me, it's going to... Mm. Right? Or, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's, yeah. It's, those, it's those fine little things. But like you said, it's that, it's that weird sort of tipping point between being a producer and being somebody who's an engineer. So yeah. I, I wanted to make sure we explained for people what that is because like you were saying, right? If you, if you're just... If you want to call up Dave and have him engineer your record you can do that and sonically it's going to sound specific right but hopefully specific to their project right and not right. like everything else I've done to, right you know just kind but of I mean you do I mean you can rubber stamp that's kind of cool you can yeah you, you can morph it to however you feel is is appropriate mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Um, I don't know as a, as a band that comes in and, and says okay we want you to record us. Mm-hmm. Like, do they sit down with you and go, okay, here's our song. And they play the song and you go, wow, that's... Uh, interesting. That's, not, that's, <laughs> interesting. that's something you never want to hear <laughs> in music. So what do you think? Interesting. <laughs> no, it's, it's not good. But do, do but, you yeah. sit down with them yeah. and go, okay, now, do you guys need me to help you produce this? Or do you want me to just record it, put it on wax and give it back to you? Most guys, you know, really don't know they need a producer, right? Mm-hmm. And and a lot of a lot of guys do, you know, or they don't really know what the process is. Yeah. What's involved with right. production and hey, maybe when you strum that chord, put it closer to the bridge, bring and do it slower so it goes bring instead of jing jing jing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe try another chord. Let's uh, let's add maybe a piano doing something right here. That harmony. Um, uh, let let's add a harmony in this spot. Maybe add another one later on. You know, these are all production things that. Yeah. yeah so let to guys me, the, the producer is the one that brings the sound that you want. Mm. You know, so if you want a certain sound, you're looking for a certain producer mm. versus yeah. an engineer. Hmm. Right. Right. Okay. A lot of uh, people. You know, my my thing about producing. If people come to me and they're paying me money, 
I tell them, I'm not here to tell you how good you are. You have friends and family to do that and, and a significant other. You know, They're going to tell you just how great you are all the time. You came to me because you want to know what it is that you can improve and do better. Right. right? So and I said, this is never, ever about ego. As a matter of fact, leave your ego outside the door. This is about us working together to find the best solutions to make your music sound as good as it can sound. So as you can imagine... Um, once, once that you know, we start working on something and we get into that sort of reality, then it's it's such a personal thing, you know, mm-hmm. for me to be handling something as fragile and delicate as someone's music, you know, and I always take it very seriously. But at the same time, I want them to sound as good as they can possibly sound. And so, if they're coming in and and they don't really know the song, you know, they can't sing it as well as I think they could, or their technique on the guitar is not as good, we just sit with them and say, hey, maybe, you know, you should try this or simplify that part so you Mm -hmm. can do it better and more consistently. Mm -hmm. And I tell them that's going to help you live too. But singing, (laughs) singing, in Western pop music, which includes Hawaiian music, anything with, with a vocal in it, the most important thing is the vocal, right? Right. So, it doesn't matter how good the music track is. If the vocal sucks, then the song is going to suck. If the vocal is really good and the music is so-so, the song will still be really good. If you can get really good music and a really good vocal, that you know gets into more of the hit area. But working on, on that stuff, though, um, I'm, I'm very particular because I want people to sound good so I'll, I'll give them homework and I'll send them home and I'll, I'll have them go that, through the song and say you know alright sing this alright maybe we can try this instead of that and, and, I, and I ask them what do you think of that and they say okay that's good let's go on to the next and how about this hmm, instead of singing that maybe you can try and, and, and so, but I ask them so what would you think of that and they go okay but we're not trying to get a final vocal so then I say okay take this track learn this like this Come back to me. Let me produce you singing this way. Hmm. So, so sometimes you'll just stop a session and go, "Wait, John, you know what? Here's some homework for you. That's come back tomorrow." <laughs> <laughs> they, they scared me because when <laughs> the first time I ever, I, that's what Dave was known for was like, "Oh, you know, if if you don't sing, the ra- Dave's gonna send you home." You know, <laughs> I was like, "Really?" They're like, "Oh yeah, he's super strict." So. I think Ray Taylor was telling us a story like Ray that. Ray Taylor, you know. And oh, so, yeah. So back, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I was kind of scared to go in and record with Dave because I thought, oh, man, this guy's <laughs> just going to pick me apart and send me home. <laughs> I can guarantee you that there is people I have never seen in the studio because they don't want to be put in a position like that where they're told that they could be doing something better. It's yeah. not that I'm so scary and I'm going to bite their head off. They just don't want to really hear... The, the, the necessary things that you need to hear if you want to become a better musician that you're doing this good but it could be better you know yeah. right. it, did you ever encounter um, like a one take wonder kind of musician where like you know like that Israel star where he came in and 3 o'clock in the morning and it was a one take yeah. thing and it was done right you know yeah I, I call those like vocally like home runs like guys come in and they basically sing it once from, from start top to bottom yeah who was a home run? Uh, Henry Capono. Really? Uh, did something. Uh, Kelly Boy de Lima wow. did, uh, was it C'est La Vie? John Burracacho oh. Jr. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Tra- Tradition. 
Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah, he's saying, he's saying that one time through. Wow. I think Roby sang something uh, one time through. It, and it's so memorable because that just really doesn't happen. Do, yeah. But yeah. do you know at that moment you're not going to get any better, so you can just stop right there? Well, everything is there that needs to be there, you uh-huh. know. And even if, you know, you can, I can correct pitch a thousand ways till Sunday. Mm-hmm. Right, but if you correct everything, then it starts to sound robotic. And and I'm not talking about auto tune. If you put auto tune, then you can really hear it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> there's, there's other programs and more professional programs that we use to fix pitch where you don't really hear it. But if you correct everything, you you correct the feel right out of it. So, in some of these one takes, I would say maybe there's a you know maybe a couple of notes that that weren't as good as they could have been but it's it's the feel and the, the continuity soul. of it yeah. and for the most part a lot of people aren't even going to hear it you know it's like playing live when you you make mistakes like that mm-hmm. don't look at the other guy just keep on going because yeah. nobody, <laughs> nobody is really going to hear it <laughs> yeah. i meant to put well, the i was going to say like, <laughs> yeah, exactly what do you do like jazz so, yeah. so you have raya Taylor, who's a tremendous singer right but maybe she's having an off day or something like that but what if you just have a guy that comes in and they're paying you to engineer this thing but then they're terrible. Like they just can't sing. Do you just try to work with whatever they? Can That's when you flick on the auto tune. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've had I've had just just fortunately just a couple of those. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> and uh, talk about sending home with homework. You know, I mean, this one guy, he just so badly wanted to sing. You know, in, in the studio and, and put his voice down. And I just said, man. Go take some vocal lessons, okay? <laughs> and and come, come back and see me in like six months, okay? So you can learn about the connect of your voice with your pitch center, you know, so you can get a better idea of what that is because it's just really not not happening the way it is now. Just just to be perfectly honest with him, I don't want to sit there and take his money and tell him how good he is, which can happen in this business yeah, you, know? yeah, definitely. you can sit there and then oh man that's, that's great keep on going come in again we'll do another song that's not me never has been it's like go work on it and then mm-hmm. he came back six months later <laughs> it was different it wasn't different <laughs> it, it, it wasn't it wasn't better and I'm so like, what happened did you put your stamp on it after and then or <laughs> I, I don't know I, I think I just I think I told him I just can't do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, honestly, just honestly, I just I mean, can't do it. I mean, because your reputation and name is on the line. I don't, do I don't, I don't really favorite. care so much about that. You know, I do the best that I can with, with what I'm given uh-huh. and try to make someone realize, you know, their dream. And I, I at times, make people sound a whole lot better than, than they sounded when they came in just using all my tips and tricks and things that I can do and for them it makes them really happy and and they're able to realize a dream so I don't really think especially now at this point I don't think so much about you know it's my reputation or people are going to hear and go wow Dave Dusseron did that whoa (laughs) yeah not not really you know I want people if if I feel they could at least attain or achieve a certain level you know of of proficiency and and excellence in their music then we'll we'll just keep on going and I feel like people, musicians in Hawaii have extraordinary talent compared to anybody else around the states and stuff. Is that true or is it only because I lived here all my life? But I just feel like when I watch American Idol or I watch something, I'm like, I know guys here that can sing better than what I'm watching on TV, Hmm. you know? It's a mixed bag, you know, honestly. Um, 
Well, there's a lot of guys who I've worked with in the studio who, you know, they have grown up and, you know, Connie Capilla and sit around a bunch of guys playing and and they don't necessarily really hear what they're doing because there's so many other guys, you know, doing mm. the same thing, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and I've had certain musicians come in I, who I think had a, a larger expectation uh, of what their ability was until you get them behind the microphone. It's like, I like to use this thing called a click track. Click, mm-hmm. click, click, click. Because it keeps, it makes it easier to edit later. It keeps everyone else together. And, and if, excuse me, if you're a master of the click track, then you're not chasing it and you're just trying to stay in time with it. If you're comfortable playing with it, then you can play around the click. You, you know, you can have a little in and out. A lot of guys, like famous guys, not even, not even, yeah, they, they weren't good with click. And so consequently, and made it very difficult for them to play on other people's tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they couldn't really play in time. And I'm talking about very well-known people, you know. Mm-hmm. And but that wasn't their thing. That's not how they were raised. That's not how they, you know, yeah. came up, you know, playing music. They always tell you about, well, you know, you lose the feel if yeah. I'm playing too Well, it's, track, it's true. Go, well. It's true. Yeah, a lot of it. Uh, who is that? I heard. I had a. Uh, Natalie IE's father, Howard, Howard IE. And Howard, you know, is, is a bit older. And uh, all the years he, he did, uh, he was a kumuhula, he, he never did an album, right? So I, I think at this point I had done like four or five with Nat, and she must have been talking to him. So he calls me one day, and, you know, Dave, I'd like to do an album. Okay. So he comes in, and, and we're working through it. And then he wants to play ukulele on a couple of songs. And, so of course, he goes out and he's playing. It's not even close. And I'm like, Howard, you, you're going to have to learn how to play to a click. Now, Iolani, uh, Nat's husband, is like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> because it's, it's so hard when we're playing live sometimes because he just speeds up and slows down. So so I said to Howard, yeah, just... Yeah, sometimes you got to get yeah, used sit, to it. Sit with yeah. the click a little bit, you know, and, and just try to stay with it. And I think he begrudgingly did. And he actually did get better, and he came in, and he was able to get it close enough where I could then edit it. Where if you looked at this ukulele track, let's say he played it all the way through, it would just be one piece. There would be about a hundred different pieces, you know, of of parts that I would move to put them in time, right? But that's okay because it was close enough. So after the album was Paul. Uh, I, I think it was about six months later. He hadn't released it yet, you know. So I called him up and, hey, Howard, how's it going? Good. I said, uh, everything okay with the album? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just, you know, waiting to release it. And I said, oh, good. I said, would you do another one? No. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't one second of hesitation. <laughs> Not even one. But yeah. I went to a, a, a CD release party, and they used to have uh, Kelly Live at Alamon yeah, Hotel yeah, yeah. for Nat, you know. And I was sitting next to Howard, and... We're just checking her out, and, and he turns to me and says, "So, uh, what are you doing in March?" I said, "What do you mean?" He says, "I want to record another yeah. one." <laughs> it, it got in there, uh, yeah, and he had to do d- another. The one. other thing that a lot of people um, get tripped out on when they go to the studio is when you're uh, in front of the mic, whether you're playing, the guitar, if they're miking the guitar or you're singing into a mic, those mics are so sensitive. Yeah, you can if you just touch your shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You hear it. You hear the wind whistling through your nose hairs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you're, all your lips smacking, like everything. So, yeah, yeah. so a lot of people they they get uh, 
they they kind of hold back because they're they can hear like you know if they sing loud i can hear all the the you probably never heard your voice sound yeah, that the, way the before gravel right? in the back True. of my throat i can hear it you know like and it is just you, you, it's so it's so like just tight yeah. on you yeah so it's really important to get a good cue mix what we call a headphone mix it's so incredibly important for that reason if it's too loud and people hear all that yeah they're going to back off if it's their voice isn't loud enough some some people you wouldn't believe the variation some people their music is like this big and their voice is like that and mm -hmm. and i'm like how can you listen to the music that loud how do you how, how can you not you know hear your voice like that so you, you can sing in in tune you know and other times they want their voice like this big and the music like that and i'm, I'm saying you're not getting rhythmic or or, mm. or or uh pitch cues from the music because your voice so i try to instruct them about that because that's so important but yeah you're right a lot of people they they, they just if really you're playing shrink. the guitar you yeah. hear your fingers touching yeah everything yeah, yeah, everything yeah. yeah it's it's so, a whole different yeah. thing i wanted yeah. to i wanted to ask you about um the sort of classic albums because there's so many you know uh, rumors Fleetwood Mac um, the Beatles albums stuff like that right they're they're, they're considered classic albums they're, right. they're just there's no doubt about it right but there's so much within those albums that's that's different from the music that we're hearing now yeah. that's being recorded I was just kind of wanted to get your take on that because it was you know the Beatles recorded on like four tracks six tracks yeah, right stuff. they they did backwards masking they did all kinds of different stuff yeah. um but there was no auto-tune and van halen recorded live yeah and albums, and right? there are also yeah. bands that sat in a room and record together yeah. right they're yeah. not well like led zeppelin recorded four guys in a house right you know they all did then yeah all and, of them. the beatles the stones yeah, yeah. They, they is all there recorded. something to that just because you you have to tell the band okay homework goal work on this song together this needs to sound better and this needs to work better together and then you bring it all together or do you enjoy doing the piecemeal where you say okay guitar do this you know drums over here there's very few bands that i've recorded at the same time hmm. you know you mean um, live together live well in the studio yeah. yeah yeah um you really really have to have a communication a connection you really have to be a good player to lock in with the other players consistently, right? And um, uh, that just doesn't happen, hasn't happened a lot. You know, mm -hmm. Napalapalai was definitely a group that I recorded. Mm -hmm. The first album, I think, we took like 50 hours to record because they just went in and banged out all the music. Wow. Bam, wow. bam, 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 bam. Now, 50 hours for yeah. people's understanding. Yeah. An average album probably takes 120, 130, 100, yeah, 120, like that, yeah. 130. So that was like half the time. The second album took like 170. Just to put it, just to put it all in proper perspective. Yeah. But yeah, they were well rehearsed. Um, uh, even people singing, like harmonies, you think, and harmony is the most underrated, uh, diff difficult thing to do in the studio to sing harmony, and to have everyone sing in tune consistently and hold a note as long as you're supposed to hold it and uh it's tough I, i'll i'll tell you about the makaha sons mm -hmm. when i was um dj pratt had to go to japan to do something and he was recording uh kui kava with the makaha sons and kata maduli so kata called me up and asked if i would come in and uh, help finish the project and i'm like sure so 
I went in and um, he had a couple of songs that were finished and, and he asked me, uh, all right, can maybe we can mix these. And so I put them on and I'm, I'm kind of listening to them, you know, and wow, there, there was just some parts that were a little pitchy, you know, and, and I said, Kato, maybe, and I, I explained that to him and he says, well, what can we do about it? And I said, I think maybe we should like re-record it, you know, with these parts and try oh. again. But I said to him, I'd like to try something, though. Oh, <laughs> so sorry. But I said to him, I'd like to try. I'd like to try something because I sat in on a couple of sessions when all three of them uh, were in, inside singing together, and one take, John would be off, and another take, Jerome would be off, and oh, et cetera, wow. et cetera. So we're going around, and it just again and again and again uh. and again. So I suggested the kata, can we try doing them like individually? separately and do you think they'd want to do that and he goes well i can ask and they were like yeah and so mooney went in first because he's always the strongest and bam 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 and then uh jerome he was probably the the second strongest and john took the longest but bam 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 everybody in tune there was no pitch correction back then this is like 1997 you know and so a, a new era was born in, in the Makah Sons where then they wanted to, to do it separately. Um, so even them, when you hear them live, maybe oh live, you God. know, they're probably better than being having headphones on in the studio and yeah. not really hearing themselves or the blend where they, they do live and, and because they sing well in tune live, <laughs> yeah. right? But in the studio, we had to make that kind of adjustment. And in the end, they were very happy and they wanted to do that with every album after that. <laughs> yeah, because it, it took so much less time and, and the result was uh, perhaps a bit better. So too. going back to Devin's question around the book, is, it like, um, is the musicians now have it a lot easier? In, in the recording studio because of the technology that they can cover up their flaws. Uh, like, oh, that's a little pitchy. Well, we'll just move that yeah, over there. I mean, you know, the, I mean no, there's it, so much software. There's no, if, yeah. It sounds different nowadays, the music yeah. to me. Because those bands had to be good. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, they, they were. They were extraordinary. They were extraordinary. They weren't just good. They, were, they played their rhythm tracks all together. Yeah. And that's what you hear. They added on solos and things like that later. But the basic rhythm tracks of all those groups of Fleetwood Mac and U2 and the Beatles and the Stones and everyone else, they all played as a band together. Yeah. So the thing about um, the technology is I would say, you know, back in the day um, when I was recording like Mana'o Company, you know, when we did stuff like Jungle Rain and, yeah. and all this other stuff, man, that was just raw live stuff. And, and, and I'd, I'd put, there was four part harmony, I'd put three of them in three different places and ask him, okay, sing, sing through the song. And then I'd go back to the verse and listen. And whoever was off, I'd turn off the other two guys and work on his part and say, please re-sing mm. that and sing it in tune. Wow. Then I'd turn the other guy on and listen to his part. All right, let's redo this line. And then go to the, to the next guy and do the same thing. And then it's, okay, let's double that. And then they, they sing over themselves yeah. and do it again. Mm. So we go through the whole song like that. And then when we get to the end then the the fourth part comes in i think that was dan and kennedy he came in and did his thing and but these guys got better and better at it because they learned about the places where they thought they were singing in tune and then they made adjustments in in their voice to go it's not uh it's uh you know it's like this much different mm -hmm. and i saw that happen with with everybody uh with roby and that's like 
on the job training you know where you have to do it yeah correctly right and but we do it a lot of times sometimes but they would get better and better all of them so nowadays yeah, you know, I, I, I well, we try to, I try to save money for people, you know, yeah. and not have uh -huh. them necessarily go over and over things. Although the technology can really be advantageous, where there's this beautiful take that they sang, but that top note they didn't quite reach, you know. So instead of going back and re-recording over the whole thing and getting a new take that perhaps wasn't as good, then we can preserve all of the feel and everything that was great about that it's one tape by just fixing that one note yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that that's a that's a great thing about it but you're right guys don't get the same education yeah. uh. that they got before i mean now. singing jungle rain the, for the first time with all your feelings and emotions and after the 200 take i don't know how you <laughs> pitch that magic yeah. to it you know well that's part of you know my pro producing with them is to tell them if they sing it if they sing it you know like like really flat not pitch but just flat all right sing it like you know gotta put that feeling in there yeah. gotta put that feeling back that's not that's on me to listen to what they're doing to make sure that that there it's not degrading and, and getting oh no you know jungle yeah. rain you know <laughs> and that they just want to go home yeah. you know, already. no can that's we just part do homework of, at home and come back tomorrow that's <laughs> part of producing is to keep you know the attitude of the the artists up yeah. and, and their spirit and their mood as they're going over and over and over things yeah. that's the hardest part of did you ever find the magic number where you just need to stop and come back tomorrow uh, as far as take wise and, and your vo vocals getting tired and oh fried. vocals getting tired yeah well like all the time like guys just they've been singing for a long time two hours sometimes on a three minute song sometimes mm -hmm. longer two yeah. hours on a three minute song oh absolutely oh my goodness yeah, well, even longer even so, longer so tedious Raitea, she did uh, At Last, I think, on her first album that I recorded with her. Mm -hmm. Was it At Last? Or Taking a Chance on Love was on the next one, but At Last. And she never did an English song before. We had to do that in two parts. I think it was t two, two hours each, two and a half hours each. Wow. Yeah, because she wasn't really confident in, in her singing like a a jazz song you know with English lyrics so just have to really work it and, and help her relax because at the end it, it sounded great and she yeah. did a great job yeah. but um, yeah sometimes it just takes a while but yeah you're right after a certain point not only is the voice gone or maybe the voice isn't gone but you're done mentally yeah yeah, yeah. right yeah. I mean because it's all mental where people say you know I'm going into record today yeah so what you know I have a real job but that's the hardest part about recording is staying in it mentally because yeah. you can't think about what you're going to be eating for lunch later in the middle of a take when you're trying to get the best take you ever had, mm. you know. And right. it, it's just staying in it, staying in it, staying in it, staying in it. And usually I, I don't do sessions now longer than four, maybe five hours tops. Wow. Okay. John, what did you enjoy doing when you're in Pure Heart? Did you enjoy recording that first album or did you enjoy performing that first album? Oh, I, I'm... I was always in love with the studio. Yeah, I, I, I really like the uh, the buttons. <laughs> oh yeah, the, yeah. the control, the lights, the controlled environment. You know, like I'm always in. Although I don't seem like it, uh, I'm gonna try to explain. I don't get nervous like normal people get nervous in the sense that I'm not like panicking inside, but I just have a million things going on in my brain about what are we gonna talk about. How's the show gonna progress? You know, like I, I'm thinking about it. Well, you don't in the studio. You can kind of pace yourself and do things, 
and you can create magic in the studio. You know, you really, you really can. I, I watched yeah. you guys. I've, I've been in a oh, couple yeah, yeah, of studios now, watching, yeah. and oh my God, for me, it's like paint drying, because you're the the things that you're hearing. Because I I sat in with um with Justin uh, when he was recording with Sean and those guys and. Were you there? I don't, I don't know if I was there. No, I don't think you were there. But they were recording Imua Garza. I've told this story before, but they were recording Imua Garza. And it was, Imua was doing a solo that was, I don't know, 30 seconds? Maybe 20 seconds, if that. And I sat there for like 45 minutes. Well, <laughs> Easy. Stop. Well, yeah. stop. And they go, okay, back that up. Okay, Imua, can you do that a little more bluesy? <laughs> he does this thing. And then, and Justin goes, okay, that's good. Okay, now, um, do this a part, little bit yeah. faster and then that, <laughs> like, take off the blues a little bit. And, uh, I mean, I give you more credit. Every time, it was different. Every take was oh, different. He's, he's actually, but it was yeah. making me nuts because I sat there for about 45 <laughs> minutes. I went, yeah, I got to go, you guys, because I can't. But the, that, that, um, that sense of um, excitement in, in that creative process, I give you guys credit because I... I don't know how you do that every day for like four hours. <laughs> you know, we're we're looking for the magic, right? Right. You you can do something twenty, thirty times, and suddenly, oh, there it is. And you know what? There'll be people in the room, like, yeah. um, like a girlfriend or something, or people who I never see again. They come one time to this, this, this <laughs> never Sorry, never see either. them again. Yeah, <laughs> but no, but. Uh, and, and when they sing that or play that, I'll turn to them and I'll say, what'd you think? And, and they're like, yeah, even they yeah. know it. They yeah. know it. That's mm -hmm. the magic That's the that magic. when anyone hears it, they're going to know it. But I, you know, it's like when, when you have a cut on your, your arm, you see a scar and you look at the scar and go, yeah, that hurt. But you know what? Our brains don't allow us to remember the pain yeah. or we go insane, right? So I have some kind of memories of like some sessions where I said, I, th I think I said, uh, excuse me, Mary, but we've done this line like 40 times now. Can we go on to the next one? <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. Yeah. She, she, she just wanted to keep on trying that line, trying and trying and trying. I couldn't do it anymore. Uh. But uh, here's an interesting aside on the song Rhythm of the Ocean. Mm. We were doing the basic track and they were actually playing together. Um, and we, we we did it, and we did it again, we did it again and again and again and again. And so as as a gag, it was maybe about 20 times. So as a gag, I got on the talkback button, and I said, okay, rhythm, 52. That's part of recording. Yeah, and it's on the, it's yeah. on the beginning oh. of the recording. <laughs> <laughs> we, we left That's it awesome. in. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't 52. It was maybe 25. 20, yeah. yeah. Okay. Was there ever a song? Wait, I have one more question. Was there ever a song? right off the bat chicken skin this is going to be the the biggest song for that that group or it's going to win a lot of awards or i'll tell you a story i was working on uh, uh aloha with mm -hmm. uh, monao mm -hmm. you know and we had done pretty much most of the tracks roots rockin and and all this this other stuff and that's when kalana pakele uh just kind of joined the group so dan comes in one day and he goes uh and, you know, Dave, I have this song. It's been kind of kicking around, you know, and and um, just, I'll, I'll play it for you. Let me, he says, I don't, I don't know if it's, like, too cute or something. I'll play it for you. Let me know. A-L-O-H-A, a little aloha in our day. So he got done playing it, and I said, Dan, 
I think we should put that on the album. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, even with nothing, there was no production. It was just him singing and playing. Yeah. It just, you just know you it was, it was, it was a great already. song, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Your songs now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's, uh, there's been a lot of songs like that, you know. So, um, also too, um, you were talking about Uncle Moon and yeah. uh, the precision with which Makahasan sort of sing their harmonies. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you first started recording them, I mean, could you hear that immediately? Because you know, you, you listen to them live, hmm. and it's it's remarkable because it does. You can put them in a backyard somewhere well, they played in my patio yeah mm-hmm. and the sound that yeah. comes out i don't know how you do that and so when you take that um uh, how do you sit there and go okay i need to put this guy over here so i can record that you know what i mean to get that sound well it's it's just if if you're a professional studio musician and yeah. singer and you've done it a lot then you know what to do you have to rise to the occasion. You have to get that feeling, you know, like I'm singing for uh, 10,000 people or whatever. And you get in front of the mic and you put that feeling into it. And there's no substitute for experience unless I'm listening and, and asking someone, you really need to put more of yourself into that. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes I tell people singing is acting, you know, and you, you can't be the same person that you were when you got out of bed this morning. I said, slip into another persona. And, and I ask them, I tell them, overdo it a little bit, you know. And so they, they sing, and, and then I tell them, sing like you're angry. And that oh. usually gets them where, where oh, I, really? yeah, you need to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when they sing like they're angry. But guys like that, when we're not doing things together, um, that's kind of one of the keys is to just keep them, you know, kind of in the game and in the recording and in the song. Oh. Um, and pros who who understand that who have done that you know kind of know what to do other people kind of need to learn it yeah you got to like push your prod or yeah yeah say you need to go home yeah come back (laughs) yeah well first you need to you know get angry okay and Mm. all right now you need to go home (laughs) (laughs) be angry at home don't be angry here yeah yeah so i'm gonna get uh our, our friend Darren, who's a sound engineer as well, had a question for you. Oh, okay. He said, uh, when you do your mix, what are you striving for? You know, is it a well-rounded sound? Is it a bassy, top-heavy? You know, what kind of sound are you looking for when you do your mix? Or is it different for every project? Every genre is, is kind of a different mix, you know. I mean, Hawaiian music, bass, guitar, ukulele is kind of self-explanatory some guys like to throw in uh steel and piano which really gets nuts <laughs> bass yeah bass guitar ukulele steel and piano and three-part harmony so but um you know obviously reggae stuff is is more bass oriented there's going to be a lot more bass and um other styles of music you know it's really um dependent on the the content of the arrangements and what kind of vocal parts are going on um it's hard for me to explain mixing mixing is a like a a whole nother thing um you just have to be able to kind of step in and out of the mix you know anyone who wants to be an engineer or a producer you have to have the kind of ears where that you can't possibly separate things, you know, in, in a in a cluster, in, in a mix and isolate them, but you can 
when you develop, you know, the ability is just, I want to hear that tambourine. And even though all the other stuff is going on around it, you're focused on that tambourine. And then you pull yourself out and you're listening to the mix. What's mm. happening with the guitar over here? You know, and that's just mm. part of the process of, of mixing. Um, See, that part sounds like fun. Like well, the creation of it, maybe not, but yeah. hearing hearing you pull down something and say, okay, maybe we we'll bring up a guitar over here, vocal needs to bounce. Oh, sure. You know what I always kind of wanted to invent? is uh, Remember the movie Minority Report? Yeah. yeah. You know how he has all the screens and he's touching stuff? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it'd be cool if like you could have a, a 3D version of a mixing apparatus. Mm. So, you know, you could pull drums forward and, and it would get louder and you could push it back and it would get softer and it would be kind of... Like visual, you yeah. know, versus because that's what I'm you're seeing in your brain, but uh, it's true, yeah. But sometimes it, it's not the whole kit that you want, it's something within the kit, right? right, right. So, so maybe then you, you pull the kit forward and then you go over to the snare drum, you know, well, yeah, yeah. Wow. I don't know that AI, you know, that could yeah. be the thing that's of the I future. Think, I think that is gonna yeah, be something. maybe. Oh, yeah, uh, sorry, one other, yeah, quick question, yeah. Um, that I hope I can remember now because it's starting to drift away from my head. Um, <laughs> Uh, new bands if there's somebody who's saying hey I want to record um, can you give people some advice so that you know when they come in <laughs> they're not getting they're prepared well that's interesting yeah. Um, yeah. maybe yeah. you need to you know what I mean because like you said right? A lot of, so many people come into the recording studio and say right. okay I want to record my album this is what I want to do and then they get there and they're just not prepared first of all um, you have to really be honest with yourself you know um about what you have and you know what your songs uh for instance uh i had a when i went to to record my project in london before i went i was assigned a producer and this guy was actually from scotland and he had done a lot of work in london and in la and he knew a lot of the la players so this guy you know was around the block so he sat with me and we're listening to my songs which i played for the people that gave me the record deal and we listened to the first song and he goes I'm not even going to try to do a Scottish accent but <laughs> you know I like that bit and I like that bit but not so much the thing in the middle and I'm like oh okay and so then we went on to the next song and he did the same thing kind of yeah yeah this is good this is good but mm, I, I don't know I'm not crazy about that then this is good and, and I'm like <laughs> who's the one with the record deal okay <laughs> all right and then we did we went through my songs and, and he did that and he left and i was feeling a little indignant you know and and uh you know my my ego was a little bruised but when i went and actually then listened to the song let's say the first song i acknowledged at some point that he was absolutely correct and right that this part in my mind was good and this part was good but this was just kind of a way to get from here to here mm. i had mm. to try to make this part in the middle as good as these two and that was the final one percent the one percent that the blood sweat and tears the one yeah. that, that will mm -hmm. kill you yeah because it really did yeah. you know and i worked it and worked it and how do I, you know i worked and worked and i finally come up with something that i knew was as good as these other things and when i played it for him he was that way too so the the lesson the thing that i learned was 
you have to be completely 1000% honest with yourself and your assessment of your ability and your music if you want other people to appreciate what you're doing and not just well I don't really play this part so well but I'm going to try it anyway so don't like come John. in yeah don't 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 come in the studio and challenge yourself in the studio that's not mm. the place you know you come in with what well, you got that's, that's why the pure heart album isn't done because <laughs> oh my god i haven't found the middle yeah, we have uh-huh. like some. I can see some well, potential. I think, I think there's an engineer. Possibly might be better. Help you with <laughs> producer possibly might. Uh, I don't know. We'll see him and go home. We find it. <laughs> go home and study. Go get it right. Well, yeah. well, Dave, we've come to the portion of the podcast where we ask all our guests this question. Hmm. So, if you were stranded on a desert island for the rest of eternity. It can only take three albums with you to listen to for the rest of time. Uh, and they can't all be Beatles albums. you got to have something <laughs> other than Beatles albums. It can't be even the greatest hits album. What would those three albums be? Oh, my goodness. I thought this was always going to be an easy question, but a lot of, everybody has a hard time with it. Well, the people, like musicians who've done this for a, a little while, <laughs> they're always like... Because mm-hmm. there's so many to choose from. Yeah, and he's recorded yeah, people, yeah, yeah. and you know. Uh, we'll start with the Beatles' White Album. Okay, okay. yeah. Right. yeah. And I that, knew that was going to. I've that's used up my Beatles allotment already now. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> I take that back. If you want to do all Beatles, you can. No, no. I, I, there's there's other things. I mean, other game changing albums. What is that? The White Album. Why do you find it special? I think there's so many different kinds of songs on the White Album mm. uh, and there's stuff like Blackbird and yeah. um, Martha My Dear and uh, Julia Lennon's J- Julia and just a bunch of other things you know uh, it's just what a conglomeration of, of different sounds and ideas um, then uh, let's see I would say you know, there's just there's just so many. There's so many. <laughs> but uh, James Taylor. Um, I had a feeling you were going to say James album. Taylor. Well, I mean, it changed everything. He yeah. came in and, and invented a genre, you know, yeah. Yeah. and and came along with his sweet, smooth uh, voice and his kind of down home lyrics, you know, and just changed it all. Yeah. It was just beautiful stuff. And then uh, talk about people who, who kind of invented a genre. Yes has always been a favorite um, mm-hmm. group okay. of mine. And uh, they invented progressive rock, prog yeah. rock. Yeah. yeah. And and you listened, and these guys could play. You know, yeah. I mean, they were just—I don't even know how they, they put together those those tracks. You know, it was just amazing. But you know, through trying to narrow it down to three, that's really tough. There's there's a lot more, but yeah. That's uh, three. We'll have to come. You, we'll have to have you come back so that you can give us three more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to think about that. I hope I'm not leaving anybody out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Uh, I've always valued your opinion and your thoughts and just hanging out and talking story. uh, Well, thanks. I know you know Devin and Kyle got got to hang out with you for the first time today. Thanks for having me, guys. It was was really a blast. Yeah, it was was really a blast. Thank you. So to our audience, we'll see you next time. And aloha. Aloha. Aloha.